Alrighty, folks, this is The Good Speaking. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and TikTok. Enjoy the gold. Are we rolling again? We are rolling again. Wow, here we are, Isaac. Here we are. We made it to made it to December. We did it. How does it feel? Oh, it feels uh, it feels long and exhausting, but we did it. Uh, wow, and to think, <laughs> just last week was uh, was like March twelfth. Yes, in our three week lockdown. And <laughs> since yep, here we are, three maybe week, fucking thirty. 89 of our three-week lockdown, <laughs> something but like that. This is a very, this is a very special week because this mm. is the start of our December special. Yes, because 2020 ain't over yet. Special. 2020 and the apocalypse ain't over yet. is coming. <laughs> oh yeah, baby, the best is yet to come in December. We believe oh, yes. the best. We we say best, but we mean the worst. <laughs> uh, so we just wanted to review a couple likely scenarios that could happen yes in december and their movie counterparts yes we are 2020 analysts here uh, certified professionals coming at you live <laughs> we are professional <laughs> e-boys coming at you with our predictions <laughs> of the future starting with what are we reviewing this week isaac yeah we're doing some uh some pacific rim some giant robot oh, giant monster fights could happen. Could oh, happen. this is what I... Yeah. Nothing would close out 2020 better than some kaiju shenanigans. In my oh, opinion. yeah. That'd be the big That's icing on the cake, you know. Cherry on the top. The icing on the cake. Oh, yeah. And starting this week, we're changing up the boys' formula. The patent mm-hmm. ending, totally not stolen. The good, the bad, and the boys' movie review formula. Yes. We were thinking to ourselves, you know, we're having a lot of fun doing this. We're going real in-depth with two movies a week. And then we thought to ourselves, who the fuck wants to listen to a two-hour-long podcast? <laughs> yes. At that point, you might as well just go watch the actual movie instead yes. of listening to us talk about the movie. And we know you guys don't want to sit through a two-and-a-half-hour-long podcast. You guys don't want to sit so. a two-hour-long podcast. So we, we understand listening to two hour long podcast for the last two months. Who the fuck wants to do that? Nah, but 2020 is already difficult cheap. enough. Yeah, it's already difficult enough without having to double your commute just so you can listen to us the whole time. Right. I hate doing it to them. I'm sure people are driving an extra hour around just so they can finish the podcast in their car right to work. I don't <laughs> doubt that for a second. So we're going to be cutting it down. We're going to be do. We're going to be reviewing one movie per episode. We're not cheaping out on you, no sir, because now you're getting two episode weeks. Oh yes. We're still reviewing two movies a week. We're just splitting them up over two more digestible episodes. Yes, yes, really. You may think, the good, the bad, and the boys, is this some cheap ploy to get more ad money? No, it's not, because we don't get any ad money, so. We, we, we don't. Not yet. Exactly. Not yet. 2021 goals, if we all survive the to. kaiju attacks. 2021. If we survive our predictions... Which, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff we got lined up for this week, I really don't think that's going to be the case. But, should we do, we'll see. But starting up, we got what one of probably my favorite monster movies of all time. The 2013's Pacific Rim. 
Yes. And then on Thursday, we're dropping its god-awful sequel, Pacific Rim Uprising. <laughs> oh, God. More like downsizing. So stay tuned for that. Or Pacific Rim Downs. <laughs> yes. That's the joke. All right, but yeah, starting with the good yeah, one. That was it. Since yes, the good it one. did come out first, the masterpiece itself, yes. directed by Guillermo del Toro. Yes, del Toro, the monster a master himself. The monster master himself, Guillermo del Toro. God, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Yeah, I think you are. Yeah. My attempt on this. <laughs> yep. Well, <laughs> yes, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Uh, what is your first memory of Pacific Rim? Pacific Rim, yeah. You know, this, yeah, watching it this past week kind of reminisced <laughs> of back to 2013. I, I believe it was like May or April. I forget when it was released, but it was like it was, uh, earlier. It was like a summer blockbuster. Oh, right. Like oh, July-ish. okay. July, yeah, okay. So I think oh, I was yeah. just getting done with uh, my sophomore year. I think The Hobbit came out. Wow. Uh, <laughs> oh, so I guess past that kind of overshadowed this movie. <laughs> a little bit, I think so, yeah. Isaac is a humongous Hobbit stan. Well, yeah, yeah there's problems the with it. Yeah, yeah, I did. Battle of the Five Armies. I, I think that was, uh, I think that was 2014, or yeah, I think I think that was uh, around 2014. Made Taron watch all extended was... versions of The Hobbit. I thought it would uh, yep. help the situation, but he slowly. I made Isaac watch Pacific Rim one time, and he was like, buddy, you have no fucking idea what it's like to me to watch a movie, let me show you. (laughs) So I watched two extended editions of The Hobbit, and then we drove through a blizzard to go see Battle of the Five Armies in theaters. We did. I looked over about halfway through Unexpected Journey, and Taron, he just looked like he wanted to kill himself. And I was like, oh, well... We're not done with the first movie, <laughs> so here we go. We got two more movies <laughs> to go. Till, wait till Lake Town, baby. <laughs> yeah, Lake Town politics. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Fun times. Yeah, what, a, what a day. <laughs> what a what a day that was. But anyway, but yes. So that that was a to, memory of mine. Back to my yes. fetish. <laughs> Pacific Rim. Yes. Has been. I w- I don't even want to say this movie has been my guilty pleasure for almost the past decade because I take no guilt in my enjoyment of it. (laughs) It's a great movie, and I love it so much. I ruined this movie for all my friends back in the day because I would not ever shut the fuck up about Pacific Rim. And it happened with The Lighthouse, too. So it just happens. And now it's The Lighthouse. And now it's The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse lighthouse is weird as fuck, and this one, I think, is a movie everyone can find something to enjoy in. Especially if you are fans of the genre, of which this movie is a gigantic love letter to. Yes, it really is. The mecha genre. Mecha, yes. A little little background is the plot of this movie. This movie was released in 2013. Guillermo del Toro, he produced it, he wrote the screenplay, uh, and he directed it. Is, uh, published by Legendary yeah. Studios, July 2013, big summer blockbuster. Yeah, it, it had wasn't a it written. Yeah, it was written by Travis Beecham, right? Did he also do Clash of the Titans or something like that? I, I don't know. He, he, it seems familiar. The style seemed familiar. He's right done. Maybe not he did. Clash he of the Titans. Like, I don't think it was Clash of the Titans. I think Pacific Rim was his biggest one. That's a big one. Oh, okay, with that one. Yeah, I'm looking at like his IMDb right mm. now. Pacific Rim is definitely the biggest release 
nice. on there. Okay. And I think this uh, was so, all yeah, written no, by he, him, too, yeah. I think he was actually... He wrote an early draft of the new Clash of the Titans. Oh, okay. The newest one. New yeah. Clash of the Titans, yeah. So I don't okay. know if he's credited with, like, the final screenplay, oh, the final but he wrote, thing like, of it. drafts of it. Gotcha. He was one of the writers of that Clash of the Titans. Yeah. I think his big inspiration for the specific rim, though, he was actually walking along Santa Monica Beach, which they do bring in Santa Monica Beach in the second one, but I guess we'll get to that. But, uh, but yeah, he just imagined he <laughs> looked out Thursday, in the waters. Yeah. yeah, that's a Thursday, I think. But he did look out in the waters Thirsty of the Pacific Thursday. Ocean. And, and uh, yeah, he, he just imagined a big giant robot and a big just colossal monster just fighting. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, I have an idea. Wow. So that was Living his big in inspiration. California, do you... Do you ever fantasize it being destroyed by a giant monster? Uh, not necessarily a monster, but sometimes when I walk the beach, I just imagine I'm on Scarif and like big at it, coming in, <laughs> uh, storming the beach. Yes, but yes, okay. and maybe a Death Star, you know, in the clouds, just about to vaporize Santa Monica. Anyways, uh, but enough about my Star Wars fetishes. Like, <laughs> Star Wars fetishes. I'm really looking forward to when you're like an 80 year old senile man. <laughs> And you've just completely disassociated yourself from reality. Yes. And all you can ever see are like various Star Wars scenes playing out and you living in them. Yep. That's, As you it's gonna like happen. bludgeon the nurse to death and call her <laughs> Imperial call her like an imp. Oh god. Okay. Imperial <laughs> stormtroopers. You just like bludgeon some senior citizen with a yeah, television. I, I'm I'm not I'm I'm kinda scared. Uh yeah becoming 80 years old i'm not i'm not sure what i'm gonna hallucinate <laughs> but it ain't gonna be anything good uh, so <laughs> uh, probably not anything good but it's 2020 we don't gotta worry about that that's right Speaking i won't live to 80 here we go <laughs> pacific rim is a movie that takes a lot of inspiration from the classic the kaiju japanese big monster movie and then you know obviously gundams and what is it the evangelion not like anime. A lot of Japanese anime inspirations. Oh yeah, Gundam. Yeah, because there's a there's a statue of Gundam right in the in the second movie, I think. But we'll get to that. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I think there's I like know. some statue. Didn't they in build some like a working Gundam in Japan? Oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, I read. Yeah, I saw, I saw like a little bit of that. Tall, like, They're ready to like take over. Around. They're ready. You can look forward to that. Walking up on your on your shores, Isaac. Mm-hmm, yep, some Gundams, just going going for it, going ham. Big Gundams. Oh yes, uh, lots of inspiration. In it, numerous yeah. interviews, Guillermo del Toro talks about just his love for the genre as a whole, mm-hmm. not just the the big monsters and looking cool and fun action scenes, which this movie is full of and does yeah. amazingly, but also just sort of that like altruistic storytelling of the characters within it and when he set out to make this movie he said he didn't want to make a movie about someone saving humanity no, no one person saving humanity he wanted to make a movie about humanity saving itself yeah and it'll come together of, despite our differences yeah yeah you know, while, while still maintaining individuality you know with the different robots but yeah, yeah. There's, and he really leans into and embraces while also simultaneously subverting the, the many archetypes found mm-hmm. in the genre and sort of like kind of the like the anime characters as all 
you got the like reluctant protagonist, which is the main character. You got like the secondary antagonist who's kind of like up his own ass, little little shithead, but like they're not irredeemable. There's the one who's in it for revenge, is like the tough but stern leader, the like frenemy scientist, um, the underdog. That's it's all very very yeah, prevalent, lots of formulaic, like, bombastic. Yeah. Yeah, and then he takes it and he's just sort of like spins it around. Um, there's something new with each one. Yeah. But I guess we'll go into. You want to go into do characters first? I'm going to do first. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's yeah. so much. We can to go talk into about. characters, so some style as well. Um, characters, yeah, and well, some style. Maybe we can kind of go through the, you know, through through the movie, starting from the beginning, work our way through. All right. Perhaps. Yeah. So starting yeah. from the beginning, how would you say this movie? This movie hooks you. Right from, oh yeah, uh, right from the first scene. Oh well, it's it, it kind of has a existential opening, you know, kind of sets up some big high stakes. Definitely some stakes yeah. at the beginning. <laughs> with the, you know, with the kind of that starry opening, um, and kind of like sets like kind of the tone for like the vast, expansive, huge, like you know, universal threats out there. And then just what it means to be human kind of facing that reality. And then kind of, you, you just kind of feel small throughout this movie and kind of similar to Rogue One too. They, they make the empire big. I, I could see with the cinematography was similar in that way of like, they were making the threats big. You feel small, you get some good perspectives kind of from humans and stuff. Yeah. But I, it, it yeah. was also kind I of a nice twist too. Yeah. At the beginning. Because it's like it's from the stars, but then, but then it fades out and it's actually the ocean. So it's like came from below. So it's like a nice little twist, and then and and you know the ocean is like just as expansive as space too. It's just as spooky because we still haven't discovered yeah. all of the ocean yet. So it was it was cool. It was yeah, cool. We, it was like, do we know more about space than we do about the ocean? I think so. Yeah, I think it's yeah more about space than the ocean. So it's like there's threats on all yeah. sides <laughs> in this movie, and you just feel That's... kind of tight. You know, you feel claustrophobic. You feel like the world is kind of caving in. Feel threatened. So it's really nice. Nice, nice I visuals agree. there. Yeah, they waste yeah. they waste no time establishing the threat and the stakes. No, I yeah. like and as you said, the transition uh, from the title screen where it looks like it's in space, but then it turns out it's deep under the sea, and those aren't stars yeah. floating particles we just mm-hmm. see and it also sort of foreshadows that they are like interdimensional alien things right yeah and it just goes right into it portal opens up in the ground giant monsters come out they're going to destroy the world yeah. that's established within like a minute of the movie <laughs> yeah they just go right into it there's a lot to unpack right a lot it. of exposition right like probably within two minutes the first two minutes they do dump yeah, yeah that's Which the I, of the movies yeah. like this big exposition dump which I, you know, I'm a lore fetishist. I don't mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't no, think I thought it was great. Like, yeah, I like the like documentary game-handed. style too. You know, it's yeah, it was like a very documentary style intro. Yeah, it all looked like it was found footage. Right, a little sense of realism, like kind of grounds the archive the situation. Yeah, kind of like what you see with Cloverfield and all that. Yeah, with a with a Cloverfield, it does, and like you said, it establishes that sense of scale. Up until mm-hmm. we see them, I think up until we see the first characters get into their Jaegers, which the Jaegers are uh, this movie's term for like giant mech suits that humanity makes to punch big aliens with. 
in case you guys are wondering what the movie's about <laughs> after we said Gundam 20 fucking times. Yep. But yes, up until we see the first person, the main character played by Charlie Hunnam, you guys might know him from Sons of Anarchy, up mm-hmm. until the moment where him and his brother get in their Jaeger for the first time, everything we see of the kaiju is from like uh, bottom up. So you see yeah. it as if like you're smaller than them. Like you just, it just generates this sense of tininess. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. You just, you feel, you feel small. You feel insignificant. You feel like you're kind of expendable, you know? And even with the documentary, like when, you know, just the viewpoint of the camera, it's, it's from a human perspective and it's like, oh, they're so big. How how the heck are we going to stand up to those? Um, So, yeah. And, and I like too. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like too that the culture, um, kind of copes in the same way that the like uh, the Japanese people had to cope with the, with the devastating effects of World War Two, and that's you know that's kind of how uh, the yeah. mecha genre kind of started is that cope of like a bigger yeah, so we, bigger we, threat of power Godzilla. and how to yeah exactly right. Godzilla is kind of a sort of metaphor this. for the World War Two you know disaster yeah and sort of like the atomic impacts and this movie has a lot of well I'd say the the most obvious metaphor in this movie is like the ecological one as the kaiju uh, I don't know, I forget what they say they like destroy the environment and there's like <laughs> there's this line towards the end of the movie that like they're only attacking now because we've terraformed the environment yeah. for them yeah we kind of <laughs> helped them the yeah yeah kind of helped them in, in you know, yeah progress Carly Day the uh, the gorilla scientist was <laughs> like oh they came when the dinosaurs were here atmosphere wasn't i don't know yeah, shitty enough so yeah. they waited and there's a we see a lot throughout that uh the kaiju sort of represent like ecological devastation and that's been a motif in these in a lot of things with this genre as well uh what is it uh, neon genesis evangelion i think it was an anime of one of mm. them uh, there's a lot of symbolism behind the angels what they call the big monsters in that one. Godzilla, oh, okay. obviously, is just like a big, scaly atomic bomb. All right. And then these ones are like sort of metaphor for ecological disaster. And Del Toro gives a lot of fun Easter egg hints and stuff in this movie, like we talked about with like character tropes and all mm-hmm. that. This movie is just a big love letter to the genre as well. Yeah. And it's sort yeah. of like it's, its most successful adaptation so like like the western blockbuster right yeah and i think it's demonstrated just super well with this culture surrounding pacific rim like they're you know they're trying to capitalize on the kaiju and just just what's what's been happening in the world they're just trying to capitalize it they're you know it's just that coping mechanism and i think it's just that's kind of what del Toro is doing now he's kind of reintroducing this type to a new new generation a new newer audience Kind of keeping Making that legacy work. alive yeah. a little bit. There's like a black market for little kaiju parts and stuff. Yeah. Who is it? Ron yeah. Perlman's in this movie. In case yeah, you guys yeah. wonder if this movie's worth watching. Cannibal Chow. Yeah, Hellboy Cannibal himself. Chow. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I, I <laughs> yeah, mean, I... I <laughs> with Hannibal Chow, I, I don't know if it was as necessary to have that, but it kind of, it, it, it kind of, again, it... It kind of establishes the culture surrounding, 
you know, this world. You know, you even, you even have, like, worshippers yes. of kaiju. So it kind of, like, gives a more grounded oh, yeah. feeling. You know, it's just this they is how people gods. will... Yeah, this is how people would react yeah, to these situations. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's We're worshiping it. Um, and you know, it's kind of Del Toro's style of exaggeration a little bit. You know, this Hannibal Chow oh, character yeah. is just so like Hannibal Chow, <laughs> so interesting, <is> so extra. <laughs> he really <That's> is great. <laughs> he's got the fucking like little steampunk ass glasses, and he's he's like exactly the kind of character you would see in like a fucking Gundam thing. Yeah, he's exactly. Yeah, he dresses the part. Yeah, he just I mean, looks I, like a cartoon. He looks and acts like a cartoon character. <laughs> he and really does fits so well. Yeah, with what's happening and the the scientist who goes to see him, uh, played by Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny. Mm-hmm. That was, that was he, interesting he seeing him. Like, I forgot he was in that movie too. He is in this. Pretty cool. They, uh, I'm not even going to talk about what they do to him in the second movie, but he's great <laughs> in this. Um, and I, I theorized, too, with Hannibal Chow. You know, I, I know Hannibal Chow also drifted at one point with the kaiju brain. Um, I wonder if he may have caught... I don't know if there's a theory out, out there. Well, he, he I, I know his eye, like he showed him in his eye. I don't know if that was because he drifted or he's like, oh, you made contact with him. A, or... He was in a public shelter. Oh, Remember, gotcha. Like, going to my private oh. shelter, have fun in the public one. That's what gave gotcha. him this. Oh, that's what gave him. Oh, okay. I thought I thought he attempted to drift as well, and he's like, "Oh, well, good job." Yeah. No, Charlie. Oh, okay. Charlie Day's character was the first person. Gotcha. Let's talk about drift for a moment. Yeah. What do you think of that drift. as like a plot device? Oh, I, I I loved it. I mean, I, I mean, if you if you look at it from a realistic sense, like there's really no reason for them to power up a. <laughs> uh, a Jaeger that way, but but for story purposes of uh, just kind of the themes of you know compatibility and 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 the themes of uh, you know uh, just just going through war, you know that's that sense of camaraderie, just that sense of hardship, it, yeah. but you know spent, bringing people yeah. together through hardship and it's great and it and it kind of it kind of follows that kind of like Eastern ideology too, of just kind of letting the past be being more, you know, present in the moment being centered, you know, that's a lot of Eastern ideologies and whatnot. It's like kind of a sense of enlightenment. So that's great to throw in that type of aspect into a movie like this, you know, since it is a more Eastern genre as well. So it was, it was kind of nice to see. Did you just say it wasn't practical to power up a Jaeger? Well, well fuck you, in Isaac. A, you know in what? A, you're probably one of those guys <laughs> who, who want to, you're like, I think the coastal wall is a better idea. That's a thing in the movie. They're like, let's just build a wall. Let's just build Go a wall and then they crash right through it. <laughs> yeah, he's a fucking Donald Trump over here. He's like, no, just build a wall around the ocean and then the aliens won't get in. No, no, I'm, I'm just saying you don't have to. Scratch at it. <laughs> sacrifice like, no, no, people's brains. <laughs> And because oh, yeah. no, isn't there that that yeah, drift disease wall, too that the that Idris Elba I'm a MAGA person. Damn it! I, I've been outed. Wait, what? What? I was just I was just talking about in the context of an alien invasion. You know, back to the drift. <laughs> uh, yes, I agree. But yeah, I think it's excellent. I think it's the perfect it's very like cool. 
physical manifestation of the themes of the movie where they have to like share the human condition to win. And it's not just one person who can save the day. It has to be everybody. So I like the drift a lot. I also yeah, think it was a good great. way to get some backstory on who is my favorite character in the movie, Mako. Yes, Mako was great. Yeah, she was definitely my favorite should, character should, as well. Should we just run off names real quick? Okay, we got... Uh, got Beckett. We got Charlie Michael. Hunnam, your boy. He's, yeah. He plays Riley Beckett. He's uh, From The, the Gentleman, too. Scene. That's a really good movie, too. Oh, the Gentleman. Yes, the Gentleman, the gentleman Sons of Anarchy. This movie, but not the second one. Because reasons nah. <laughs> yes he plays riley beckett he's like this hot shot jaeger pilot back in the day and him and his brother piloted gypsy danger and they beat the fuck out of everything they saw and it was oh, yeah lit. and you got a great human drift, perspective have... too in that first scene with the what are they oh, trying yeah. to find things in the ice and then you just see this giant robot just coming out of the sea all beat up, worn, just collapses right in front of him. It's a great, it's it's great perspectives that they use. So that was that was really cool. Oh yes. but, yeah, amazing. So yes, him and his him and his brother, they are drift compatible. But drift compatible, you have to be like, I don't know, you, you just gotta be. Wait, I don't know, it's some probably some astrology bullshit. <laughs> probably <laughs> you gotta have compatible astrology yeah. signs. You have to be like sort of in sync with one another before you even attempt to drift with each other. And drifting in this movie is mm-hmm. you sort of like enter each other's minds and you see each other's memories, so you know what each other is going to do next. And then you can sort of two people serve as one to pilot this big robot and fight. Yeah, monsters. so you're kind but of like brother, yeah, kind of working together. You kind of are in sync with your movements with the yeah. So him and his brother drift compatible. Very first mission, I think does a great job of establishing the tone. We got yes. Riley and his brother. They think they're the hottest shit in the world. I think at this <laughs> point in the movie, their robot has the highest alien kill count out of everything, which is That's like right, yeah. five aliens. And even even the surrounding but, culture too is like everyone's just like, oh yeah, this is just this is just life now, and it's all good. Oh, we're we're even, you know capitalizing on the kaiju aspect, and everything's good. Well, they even say we, we got our Jaegers. We're fine. <laughs> Jaeger pilots are like rock stars. Yeah. If you were a Jaeger pilot, you were just, just the biggest dick in the land. Right. You had. And I like how they had it. Uh, they were Jaegers from all over the world. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that helped also drive home the theme of the world saving itself. Right, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like we're all coming together, but we still have our individuality, but we're all one planet. Yeah. All trying to... Yeah. And so it's it fun really to cool. see the conflicts that arise from that and also like the funny moments especially at the end where they're like all right we need to blow up the thing we need a nuke we're we gonna get one and they're like oh the russians provide us with one. <laughs> the russians would yeah. like, well, the russians get a nuke and they're like they're the russians <laughs> but back to <laughs> back to <laughs> back they to literally Ryan just took their <laughs> chur- yeah they really just took the chernobyl uh <laughs> reactor and just put the put it on the robot they're just yeah fuck it the russians there provided us with a nuke <laughs> oh god what a great movie yes uh, I think this first scene I guess second scene where we see the first like Jaeger kaiju fight with the main character does a great yeah. job of establishing the stakes the intro sort of showed that these Jaegers were like the weapon against them and that even though the kaiju were getting bigger the Jaegers were still the solution uh, until mm-hmm. this scene we'll yeah. see what's the first one called like my 
underneath it. It looks like this big. Yeah, and I thought it was like a bottle nose or or a goblin yeah, shark. Yeah, it's like some, yeah. some big pointy head ass shark. Yeah, and, and that was a great out in the Arctic. Yeah, and it was it was a great shot too of uh, just it coming out of the water too. It was oh, really yeah. eerie like and a... like terrifying, really. That's what this movie does do good too. Um, in the opening, not as much, but like throughout the movie, in in moments where you need the monster to be vague, which is you know we we talked about with the thing later on, which, which you can the horror movies, yeah. You can listen to our episode. Um, I think it's like yeah, episode, episode four, four or five or whatever. Yes. Yeah, plug. It's, it's four. <laughs> yeah. Oh, four. <laughs> yes. But you can listen to episode five too. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You should listen to it mind. all. Yeah. That's okay. That first kaiju kind of appearance, official appearance, you know, just very vague, very like shrouded and, you know, with, with the clouds and the rain and, you know, it was just, it was really, it was really eerie in, oh, in a great yeah. way. And we kind of see that too with like Mako as well. There's like a bunch of dust everywhere and it's just, it's kind of looming, you know, in, in, in kind of the shadows. So it's kind of like, like that same aspect and another great perspective too of, you know, just having the, the, what is it? The commercial boat <laughs> just out there during that. And uh, another great oh, perspective of yes. human, you know, feeling small, <laughs> you know, you kind of, just kind of like get some... that perspective from the, the ship and the crew so it's great that Gilmo del Toro okay. inserts human perspectives throughout each fight, and it's it works great. You feel the yeah. and There's a number of shots like that. You got the little scrub fishing boat just, like, bouncing around as they fight. And yeah. other fights, there's, like, helicopters flying around where you can, it, like, zooms in on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it'll show it from, like, the perspective, of, like, through a window and a skyscraper, stuff like that, which is great. The tone in this movie, everything they attempt they nail especially like you were talking about the first scene because this first monster that we see the knife head one that they fight out in the waters outside alaska this is the first time we see one of them like full form all the ones we've seen up to this point have been like the cloverfield shaky cam like found footage one we only see part of them and it gets a little fucked up this one and they spend a good like what 20 30 seconds just showing different different shots of this thing coming out of the water. Oh, yeah. And it looks so good, too. I, I love it. Looks shot. So it was good. so scary. Is... I was like, ooh, that's... <laughs> like, if I was on that boat, that I would die. A... Yeah, I would shit myself. I would shit myself. That is I'd a probably die right monster there. right there. Yeah. And that's something I think this movie does much better than the second one, is it mm. makes the monsters intimidating. I don't know why. But I think it's because of the lighting or something. In I think so. In the second so. one, they all just felt, like, cartoonish. Yeah, they did. One, yeah, it it felt the monsters like yeah, are they were just like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're like half submerged in water. I think there's only one fight where they're like not at least partially in the water. Yeah, they're always like either half submerged in water, or darkness, or rain. Mm-hmm. Um, you never know if they're just gonna dive under, and pop out. Which which I I saw Del Toro's um, inspirations too for this movie, and one of them was the Colossus painting, which also kind of evokes the same because yeah the colossus himself is also shrouded in the same ways so yeah it's it's really cool to yeah and and it works so well because even the colossus i I don't know something with big monsters you know it just yeah it's pretty spooky it's a very eerie feeling that you get like even like big giant sea monsters that are like looming in the darkness it's like ooh, you just get little little chills it's it's almost lovecraftian 
yeah sort of like the very lovecraftian the fear of way. the unknown which del toro is pretty good at doing horror have you seen his uh, crimson peak i did not know like but Bruce. i did see pan's labyrinth wow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah, so so I, I understand has, it. So even, for, <laughs> so even for a July release blockbuster action movie, he still does a great job of sort of building the atmosphere, the tension, mm-hmm. and the stakes. And we see right away in this first fight, the Jaegers are very dangerous, but the Kaiju are almost even more dangerous. Yeah. While Gypsy Danger, the name of their big robot, has a lot of power, this thing still managed to fuck it up good. So it kills Riley's brother. It almost kills him. It rips the thing apart before they're able to kill it. And then, like you said, there's that great perspective shot of like some old man and his grandkid just walking around on the beach. They yeah, uncover like a little toy robot, figure. and then <laughs> yeah, they find and, a little toy ice. robot, and they look up. It's like some 300 foot tall behemoth monster human robot thing, like walking out. It's so cool. Yeah, that, that was that was a great moment. On the beach right in front of him. Yeah, and it's, it's just this big like heaviness. Running. Yeah, there is this weight to everything. I watched some behind the scenes of this movie, and they put a lot of mm. effort into trying to get the detail of the robots to like show how like the inner workings mm. would work. Guillermo, he was like, I want it to feel as real as possible, despite the ludicrous concept of giant robots fighting giant monsters <laughs> and <laughs> right. yeah, as you watch the movie you see there's a there's a number of shots where there's just sort of like the mechanisms of the robots you could see in play there's this one where like the big australian robot picks up one of the monsters this big ass monster's picking it up and you could see there's like a bunch of gears and stuff like as it lifts up there's a bunch of like pistons and shit the size of like small buildings working and you can hear them like like straining and stuff yeah, there's good the attention to detail. One. Yeah. There's great attention. The sound design is amazing. I love yeah. it. Every I, they, there's lots of different locales for the fights, and every one there's like mm-hmm. other fun sounds. The one that's like halfway in water, there's all the swooshing and yeah. whooshing. And you can see the stuff like mist spraying. The one on land, you can feel every footprint, and depending on what they're walking on, it makes a different sound. Yeah, I, I believe the. Uh... Even the water is also inspired by an Asian uh, painting as well. Um, I forget what it's called, but it's like this blue blue painting of these waves. And I forget who the author is, but um, yeah. I, my brother has a profile picture of it, surprisingly. But, um, oh yeah, I think it's the Great Wave of Kanagawa. Yeah, Gilmore del Toro was kind of adamant of using that that style of wave visuals um, in in key moments, I believe, or something something along those lines. But yeah, he loved he loved that inspiration. So kind of bringing that Eastern ideology into it, um, Eastern culture into this mecha genre, it's this new idea. mecha genre. He definitely takes a lot of inspiration from the, the source material, I guess. Yeah. Aesthetic surrounding that, and I love it when there's like the you know they hide references to older stuff or like paintings even these mm-hmm. big movies where the context is very different, but you can yeah. still like if they have the same theme still associate them. That's great. He does it all the time. Yeah. What were we even talking about? We went on for like ten minutes. Oh yeah, terrible. I think we we're just talking about the <laughs> robots and the yeah, yeah we're just, the designs we're just and stuff. About 
Um, Fuck these characters. Yeah, well, We're, yeah, great. Yeah, awesome <laughs> fights. The monsters are so. They yeah. feel like I. Yeah, yeah, they do. They feel pretty bulky. Um, I I will say too. I I think even he could have gone even more with the heaviness feel because even the CGI pristine quality kind of still makes mm-hmm. it a little bit lighty in some in some in some frames. Like where I think he could even go even more further into like the slow mo slow movement like heaviness but it still works like yeah. it's still heavy enough i you know i'm not you know i'm yeah so it's it's still good it's just yeah i feel like you could even go even more yeah you know me and my lore isaac i love that lore. oh yeah uh as the as there's like different different i don't know i guess generations of the robots because this war with the aliens has gone on like a fucking like decade or two at this point mm-hmm. it's been going on a while the alien attacks are increasing and the monsters are getting big, but they gotta yes. make nicer robots. Bigger but categories. The danger is, yes, is refurbished in this one, but it's a Mark II. So it's like a second generation. The Russian one is a Mark One, and that one is by far, obviously, the slowest and the heaviest. Mm. And it, they make a point to like show that both in dialogue yeah. as well as showing it during that one's fight, where it's just it's like these big vista cops, and it moves really slow, but it hits like a truck. And as we go up, there's the, what is it, like the Chinese one that has three pilots because the robot has three arms. That's a Mark mm. three, so that one moves a little faster. And then it's okay. even said that the Australian one, Striker, the Mark four or whatever, is the fastest Jaeger built to date. And we see oh, when okay. that one fights, it's fast as fuck. It's got those like yeah. tiger things that come out of its hands. And it, yeah, so the way they all fight differently. Yeah, that's adds, cool. Like, the technical aspect of the universe. And it lets, and it's reflected in the uh, the animation. Yeah, and all that. it is. And yeah, and really Del Toro really do. just, lo- yeah, yeah. I think Del Toro really brought a lot of good variations, and yeah, you're right. It, it's yeah. kind of, it's really cool to see the individuality of each robot and, and the designs of everything is so cool. I love all yeah. the personality. Even the Those, kaiju's yeah. man, they're, they're such cool. Yeah. So. The Russian one, the cockpit's like in the chest, and there's just like a nuclear reactor on top of its shoulders <laughs> because <Yeah>. of course. Because <laughs> why not? Because why not? All the monsters look cool as hell. He said that he took a lot of inspiration from like animals. He sort of tried to make them mm-hmm. super alien. There's that one. Uh, it looks like this this big silverback gorilla alien monster thing. It's as heavy as hell. Is that other one that looks like a scorpion but that has wings? Mm-hmm. And then you know, there's like the big shark one. There's one that looks like a hammerhead shark. Yeah, but that you can tell like, like each creature like, is the is part of the same thing, like the same. Yeah, they all know. have the same aesthetic. They have the same like skin texture and, and glows have, like, and stuff. Neon features. Yeah, so yeah. they look very alien, but they're similar enough that they're like distinguishable. From one another, so you'd be like, "Oh, look, that's the like that's the alligator one," and they get like more and more alien as the movie progresses because they're like wilder and wilder monsters are coming out. Yeah, which is why it's great. I like it. It's cool. Yeah, and so great. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder how many monsters they came up with. It would be cool to see like all their designs. But yeah, I'm sure they have like hundreds of drafts. Just a shit ton of them in there. Amazing. And there were a number of, I believe, like comics. I think there was comics and novels that came out. Some mangas. Around like 2017, 2016. That 
that's right. Like bridge the gap between this one and the shitty sequel. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Did you have the pleasure of reading through there? <laughs> I I saw a prequel. I I flipped through, like I looked through that one online. That one is pretty cool. It just shows like the early days of the war. Nice. Universe. And that's what they should have done with the second one. Dang it. Yeah. Hey, the second one. Oh, fuck, dude. No, I'm, not, I'm not even going to get into the second one. It just triggered <laughs> me. Trigger yeah. warning. Pacific Room 2 fucking sucks. We'll get there on Thursday. Especially compared to this movie. Yeah, we'll see you on Thursday. Pacific Room <laughs> 2. Oof. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, design, everything. So flawless. Yeah, that's great. What are your thoughts on, you said, who is your favorite character? Character, yeah, I think definitely Mako. I, I yeah, I, 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 I like her backstory. I, yeah, I, I like, I like both the main characters kind of conflicts and backstory, but I will say, I mean, <laughs> it is a giant monster, giant robot movie. So there's not like, you know, tons of substance to it, but I just, I, I feel uh, like, yeah. Yeah, I, like I, I do really like their it. determination. Yeah, you don't really need it at this point, but the dialogue in their thing is a little surface level. Um, I think I, I think I would have liked to see Beckett struggle more than Mako did, just with it, the loss of his brother. Like I, I think I would have liked to see a little bit more of a challenge with Beckett than with Mako, because Mako was trying to. It was more about Mako trying to prove herself. I feel like we should have oh. maybe seen a little bit more of Beckett not willing to commit because of the devastation of losing his brother and him, you know. He he felt his oh, brother leave his body. Like, you why know, it's like did with his brother when his yeah, brother died. When he died. Like, so had the yeah. DMT yeah. death simulator in the Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So because when, you know, Idris Elba comes in to recruit him again, you know, and, he, and it's cool. You got kind of like that veteran story. He's going back to work. Yeah, you know, He's being treated pretty shitty, you hero. know. Exactly. <laughs> um, for his services, and he just doesn't out. care. Yeah. It's probably not even like 30 seconds and Beckett was on board. I just feel like there should have been a reluctance of like maybe, maybe Idris Elba was like, hey, I have this new recruit. She's she's really good. No one is as compatible as as you you know your your past records. Like we want you back on board. We feel like you're a good pair. I feel like Mako should have it a little bit more together in this and and uh, and then when we see her loss of her family um, back in the you know back with her flashbacks, that's what bridges with Beckett. She's like, I, I've experienced loss too with my family, and that's how we come together. Uh, which that's, what, I mean, that's what the movie does. But I just, I feel like there should have been a re- reluctance with Beckett of him just really just not committing. Yeah, Beckett where he's just like, I lost. Like I, I think so, and I think, I think with Beckett, I think it, he should have been, he should have been more reluctant to come back to the program just after his huge, devastating loss. I mean, he felt that. And so, you know, I, I just yeah. feel like he should have been really reluctant the whole time. And Idris Elba is really just trying to make it work. He's like, you are the only, like, your records, you're the only one that can be compatible with this person. 
So really, you know, really try to make it work. Um, and then, then when Mak, when he sees Mako also with her family and she's kind of struggling too, that's when they come together. So I would have liked to see Beckett be more that way. And I feel like the ensemble too, with like the Australians was a little unnecessary. I didn't really care for them that much. Like, I feel like they distracted from the main characters and I feel like it should have just been more of a focus on the two leads and just Beckett really struggling. Maybe he's like alcoholic now or he's going through depression or something you know you know i mean like but but he is the only compatible person with you know with mako so they're really trying to just bridge that so i i would have i would have liked to see a little bit more of that if his struggles but but for a big yeah right yeah exactly but for a big giant robot monster movie i'm not expecting too much so it was fine the way it was but yeah i just feel like the australian characters were just a little bit of a throwaway and i don't know yeah, I liked it as it was. I thought it played more into the theme of that humanity saving itself as opposed to two main characters saving humanity. And yeah, I could agree that there could have been more conflict between Riley and Mako since, and those are the two people who end up piloting. Yeah, because uh, he really he had two, no for those who don't know. Right. Yeah, and well, he just the, he had no reluctance to come come back on the program. Just Idris Elba was like, "Oh, you want to just die here or die out there?" And he's like, oh, "Okay, sure." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, well, <laughs> I would have liked to see a little bit of a struggle, but that's okay." Yeah, it was a thought. It was a solid pitch. You rather you rather <laughs> die on that grimy ass OSHA devoid yeah. wall, or you want to die in a bitchin' robot? But I mean, with, with the loss of your brother, maybe he's just trying to self sabotage himself too. You know, with being on that wall and just like oh, I'm just gonna die here and live out the rest of my day. My brother's gone. You know, he he could have been really struggling yeah. with that. You know, and I feel like it just would have been better if we just saw a little bit more of that. I don't know, but yeah, I think uh, I th- yeah I think it plays more into the like archetypes of the genre as well, where he uh, he's sort of the wash up veteran and she's the rookie. Idris Elba, who plays yeah. like, sort of the marshal who runs the Jaeger program, he's like, yeah, he's the stern mentor figure. And mm-hmm. I, I like the Australians as secondary antagonists because in, despite this being a monster movie, they're, it's not just endless action. It's not like Man of Steel. It's like right. a boring exposition with some intermittent <laughs> action. And then the last fucking hour is just nonstop cgi yeah. fuck fest there's a lot of focus on characterization and i like that the australians were there uh, and they, yeah, the australians they had a good father father son the, uh, dynamic yeah yeah it and it makes it gives them character as well like what's his name the chuck hansen the australian guy he's like the new hotshot pilot riley was all the shit back in the day then his brother died and he like lost his arm and he went into a very unreasonable funk like five years and now this Australian guy named Chuck he's hot shit he's the new he's the cool lad in town he's like in Cars 3 if Riley was Lightning McQueen Chuck <laughs> is like the cool new blue car tell them yeah. to suck it it's okay. like sort of like that dynamic um, and it adds a nice secondary antagonist just so we have some conflict on the screen that's not big monsters some yeah maybe some human conflict alien yeah, monsters, human antagonist yeah yeah yeah, and it just shows sort of the probably yeah you know probably the most likely conflicts that arise from the entire world 
having mm-hmm. to all of a sudden put aside all of their differences to try and right, save yeah, themselves. Try to... Obviously, there's going to be hiccups. It's not going to be smooth, and everyone's not just going to get along right, right away. And I agree that that could have been substituted for more, I guess, um, resistance, like you said, from Riley. And uh, yeah. there's more of a conflict between him and Mako. But I liked the Australians as they were. I like that. It yeah, and it grounds the ensemble yeah. cast. Grounds it the does world. ground it a little. Yeah. It, it, it adds to the theme that it's not just two main characters who need to get their shit together to save the world. It's kind of everyone. Yeah, around Every, the world yeah. humanity. To yeah. To say, yeah, it's humanity as a whole uh, yeah. with everyone. And I like it adds some more characterization to those other characters. And it shows that at the end of the day, everyone's priority is saving the world. And that's just sort of what binds them together. He doesn't want to come back and be a Jaeger pilot. All he ever thinks about when he's in the drift is just like his death simulator that he got with his brother. And whenever yeah. Mako's in there, all she ever sees is like some kaiju fucking like eating her family. Yeah. And Chuck's Chuck's just a fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it really is. Yeah. Riley Very annoying, Mako, but <laughs> they get, yeah, they get their shit together and they pilot the Jaeger together. Yeah, it was a good bonding a moment. Yeah. He was a former Jaeger pilot. He mm-hmm. too had his co-pilot die with him. And it, it, like, fucks with your brain a lot if you have to pilot a Jaeger solo. So, like, he'll die if he gets in the Jaeger again. Mm. And then, you know, at the end of the movie, he gets back in the Jaeger, knowing that he's going to die because he has to do it. And Chuck, oh, yeah. you know, he, he foregoes his life for the sake of humanity. At the end of the day, despite all the fame and whatnot, he's not irredeemable. He knows why he's here. He knows why, what he signed up for. He, t- he cops that fat L to save the world. So I like that, but I could see... Yeah, it was good. I would also enjoy just, you know, mixing the, the Aussies and having more Riley Mako moments. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but but yeah, it's good. It's good for what we got. It was good. It was... It was yeah, contained. great. It wasn't, it wasn't over the top or anything. It was good. It was, it was good. It was nice. Yeah. Well, it's a monster movie. It's, it's, I mean, right. it's all pretty good. <laughs> for, the, for the context of this film... It's not super over the top. Exactly. Yeah, no, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I thought, too, I, I like, like the it. whole, what is it, the the whole uh, martial arts fight, too, between Mako and Beck was great. It was like a little, yes. uh, little, little sexual tension, a little, uh, you know, seeing how compatible they are, see, you know. So it was yes. really cool. It was a really good good fight. Nice and practical, which is great. Their will they, won't they, back and forth thing. And then in the yeah. end, they which, won't. They decide, right, I guess hey, not. I guess not. No, let's just job comes first. <laughs> and now, yeah, uh, Del Toro said that he wanted the character of Mako to be an inspiration for young girls. He said not every story yeah. needs to be a love story. Which that—that's what I. Yeah, that's what I kind of realized too is that they didn't even sexualize her. It was it was kind of a <laughs> they kind of sexualized no him instead. The <laughs> there was no smooch. Yeah, exactly. Bro, they, I mean, have you yeah. seen Charlie on? Yeah, I know. Everyone yeah, he was shirtless in a scene, and and it's usually supposed to be, you know, he's shirtless. A, he was shirtless, so it was like a, a little mix-up. It was kind of cool. It's like, all right, yeah, we're so we're sexualizing the male yes. this time rather than yeah. So it was a little little break of the movie stereotype or tropes. Um, and and that's that's what's great too about the whole compatibility the thing. Robots. <laughs> yeah, and it shows that the compatibility goes beyond. Yeah, just it's like beyond the physical. Yeah, it's more of an emotional. Yeah, Charlie connection. had it with his brother. The Aussies are like, it's what is it? It's like father son who are compatible. Drift. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. the Chinese one, I think it's like three twins. Right, Russia, yeah. I think it's like a husband yeah, wife. triplets. Yeah, and then for them, the new ones are gypsy. Two people who have a lot of shared experience and emotions. Yeah. Yeah. They just, they get, they just feel each other. Like they just, you know, they know what's going on inside the other's head. Because they've had a lot of the same experiences. And when they meld memories, it just works. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's good stuff. Yeah. It was cool. It was cool to bring some human elements to a robot, you know. Even though they didn't have to do that, but they did it for us and our emotions and our emotional connection. Del Toro, he did it, and he did it for us. It's, I think, the motto of this movie. I didn't have to do it, but I did. But he did. That's just why everything in Pacific Rim works so greatly. So great, yeah. Love, love, yeah, and I do like the scientists. It adds a little comedic effect. Yes. You know, you add humor to a depressing... archetype. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, both the comic relief and also sort of like a third protagonist sort of as it just shows yeah, a, a different perspective of the war it's not just about jumping in a robot kicking ass right, yeah. a lot of fiction man, science that goes into it every every monster like horror film man the scientists are always just thinking there's always the fucking scientists who are all <laughs> it's always them yeah what it what was the quote from uh the before that we did from the thing from another world oh all right no enemies yeah there are no enemies in science yes Yes. We do it for, if we have to die, we do it, we die for science or something. I don't know. Some, something about I science. Liked, I liked how they played that sort of, uh, that sort of convention. They try and take that further in the second one to 0% success. It just goes so wrong. Oh, yeah, they do everything. Yeah. They like completely shit on the character that was established <laughs> in this movie. He's played by Charlie Day, the guy from Always Sunny. I forget, yeah. Burn I've seen Gorman, him in something. Uh, plays Dr. Gottlieb. Yeah, he's in Game of Thrones episodes. Oh, Game of Thrones. Okay, I think I remember that. Yeah. remember him from that. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, and and they, they kind of bring little characterizations, little, like, you know, little exaggerations yeah, of their like characters. They the didn't have to either. Relief. It was cool. Yeah. yeah. And there's just a little extra conflict. You see, like, little American scientists, and then we got, like, Dr. Gottlieb and this little, like, European German-ass accent, and they're just, like, bickering <laughs> yeah. with each other over it. One's very by-the-book professional, sort of a brown noser, and then Charlie yeah. Day's, like, this fucking gorilla science. He's like, yeah. I just found out how to merge my brain with a fucking <laughs> billion-ton alien. Let's do, do it. it. Sounds like a great idea. They're going to press his garage <laughs> door opener and merge my brain <laughs> to save <laughs> the world. Do it. And it's just, like, yeah. some fun conflict where, like, they, they shit on each other, but then they also can so that's, right. That's sweet. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah and it kind of like it kinda goes into the like anime underdog. stylizations too, like you know, with even like with Hannibal Chow, you know, it's just a little, little. Yeah, they're anime. like. Yeah, that whole that whole subplot, all those side characters, they're like basically caricatures of <laughs> yeah. people in the time. Like I could see these people as anime characters for sure. Oh yeah, like the wacky scientists and like the yeah. black market alien body parts dealer have to team up to merge their brain with an alien <laughs> so they can so they can figure out what the plan is and i like the conflict that that added just with that again the human conflict again plays more into it even than the alien conflict because those are very mm-hmm. one-dimensional villains they're just they're just big fucking aliens they want to take over the world yeah there's only yeah. so much you can do with that 
And Del Toro exactly. knows that, so he doesn't really lean into it. He just establishes their motivations in the beginning of the movie, throws in some and bam. monster fights, yeah, and then just focuses on like how would humanity as a whole deal with that situation, yeah, can do and it. What which are the problems and yeah, the, crimes that would arise from that, right? Yeah, and even the yeah, I, I like the design of the precursor world too. It's very like vibrant. The, oh, you know, it's like it's just it kind is. of illogical by human standards, and it's just otherworldly. It definitely and, feels like a different dimension. Yeah, even like the colors are all glowed up too. Like the lighting is is off, and like it kind of yeah, it's kind of a you know, it's a little looks like looks like fucking JJ Abrams wet. Yeah, it looks like a lens flare. flare. Yeah, it's just like how (laughs) our eyes would adjust to the their dimensions, lights and stuff. Yeah, it's It's kind of cool. Weird refraction everywhere. Yeah, it definitely feels like it. Um, But yeah, and great climax of the movie. It definitely the story like wraps itself up nicely this movie definitely didn't need a sequel especially no. since this is like no. the 11th hour fight where they solve the problem right and, and there's they nothing it, yeah. that needed to come after this yeah nothing Del Toro, no, that he didn't to want to make a fucking sequel yeah he, he wasn't there for the second one yeah he, he was like care. cool that was a fun movie guys <laughs> legendary studios like when are you making the next one he's like no yeah well what, what are you the hobbit yeah <laughs> I'm gonna go produce and then dip on the Hobbit. Yeah, it 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 sucks with the Hobbit because I feel like Peter Jackson is sort of at the same level with Del Toro, and it's just, anyways, that's that's for a different conversation. But that's, anyway. that's for a that's a Thursday discussion. Yeah, that's a Thursday discussion. But um, that's but I I, I am kind of sure. curious too. Um, just with with other properties, I I would like to kind of see um other other Don't worlds. Say monsters. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe just like a little glimpse, but just to see like the precursors, like see from different perspectives from like either other dimensions or other planets of like seeing like the precursor invasions. Oh, bro! After the after the performance of that second movie, I fucking doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> I doubt. Yeah, the Pacific like Rim franchise kind of went went downwards after that. So. <laughs> maybe Del Toro will do that thing he does where he makes like some shitty like straight to Netflix like animated show that looks like it's from 2007 about a <laughs> yeah. decent concept and then we'll, we'll just get that yeah which uh, but, it's coming yeah. out next year is the Pacific Rim Black the the Black or something or the, I, I forget what it's called but I think that's coming out 2021 on Netflix and I, I think it is directed by Del Toro so we'll see and I think well, it is an anime series if we get series. to 2021 if we don't get kaiju on first Right, yeah, I mean, that's a big if, but anyways, big if, if we'll ever see the anime series by the time the monsters invade, the precursors invade. Do you think any of the robots in this movie could beat Godzilla? Hmm, yeah, I think so. I mean, Godzilla is like just one big kaiju, probably category five kaiju, but they'll they'll find a way, (laughs) I think. What about you, what do you think? Uh, think There's a specific robot that could that could really fatality Godzilla. I think Godzilla has too much plot armor to be <laughs> Probably. killed by any of these things. That's true. He's too beloved <laughs> to be killed off. These true. these robots were built to fight the metaphor of climate change. I don't think they're ready for the atomic bomb metaphor. They're not quite well, on that level yet. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I think, too, there is some themes, too, that I kind of noticed, like, maybe, you know, standing up to imperialism as well, because the precursors are pretty much imperialist colonist interdimensional colonist pretty much that eh, might be a little bit of a stretch but um and i i feel like too there's kind of themes of let's see 
like themes of like just humans being defiant of nature even like through technology like we try to just fight evol- you know evolution and na- it's it's kind of the yeah, same way with like red dead you know it's like no matter what you know you just can't really fight nature like we think we're superior but there's always a bigger threat and nature yeah will take except at the course. end of this movie they 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 are superior to nature. who is it it's even in the opening monologue from Riley. right he's like yeah. you can't fight a hurricane but when you're in a jaeger you can when fight a Jaeger. And you can, you can win you can as it win. like marches through this hellacious <laughs> blizzard with like some 50 foot waves like it's nothing right you'll beat the fuck out of like some 400 foot tall alien <laughs> i think yeah i think it uh focuses more on just sort of like the human spirit and ingenuity yeah. and how spirit teamwork against... makes the dream work yeah uh, agreed that's a big one I... together we can accomplish anything so maybe we can beat 2020 (laughs) yeah we can beat 2020 together as we have done such a great job of doing oh yes we are so united right now we are 100 percent on the same page yep well if you guys survive to thursday we're so screwed um, without any kaiju attacks tune in for part two of this tune in for part two forward to future episodes we survive by thursday yeah if we make it Fuck, bitch, I'll see you there. I got some <laughs> shit to say about this second yeah. movie. Fuck what. Um, oh, yes. yes what a movie. <laughs> Karen gets triggered because it's <laughs> one of his favorite movies. It's a, a god-awful sequel. Oh, God. Can't wait for that. Oh, but, yes, so, yeah, we, yep. have, we have some Apocalypse-style uh, movies lined up for you this month. So stay tuned. Our predictions, yes. 2020 sure. end of the year predictions. But like this video, go. give it a download to prevent kaiju yeah. attacks. Like, subscribe. Tune Thursday. Yeah, tune like in. And subscribe to our social media. We'll and be posting we are, challenges and already updates at 60 minutes, and shitty memes. That's okay. <laughs> that's it. But hey, that's see, okay. this could have been this could have been longer. Could have been yeah, like this two, been two and a half hours. Long. Yeah. This could have been yeah, because we got an hour of talking about this movie. And then the next episode, I got about like three hours worth of bitching I'm going to do. <laughs> bitching of uprising. <laughs> so, there you go. Right. Take some time. So, digest. So, there you go, people. We'll see you back. Yeah. All right. There you go. Let us so, know we made it easier for you. And... Monster is. Yes. Let us know what. Yeah. Uh, What's your favorite what uh, kaiju you and Jaeger design? And how. What is your favorite kaiju and Jaeger Rule 34? Send yes. it to Isaac. I'll yeah, send, send it over in the description. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Some Jaeger smut. Yay. Jaeger smut. <laughs> I got yes, some shit comment to send below you. what, what Jaeger would you. <laughs> shit to send. That's oh my. Oh god. Oh, oh I'm getting notifications already on my phone. Oh god. We appreciate you listening to this episode. This is The Good Speaking, and be sure to like this episode and subscribe to our podcast as we continue to review the good and bad of pop culture every week. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and TikTok to keep up to date on all our content. We'll see you next time, folks.